the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Investments and retirement. In this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. I want to make a special shout out to two very special people, Ethan and Isabel. They were over here this morning. Hello, guys. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. All right. So I'm, I'm going to get a little political here and do some political things. In many years, I've come to the conclusion that one useless man is a shame, two is a law firm, and three or more is, is a Congress. <laughs> That's John Adams, by the way, and he was a lawyer. If you don't read the newspaper, you are uninformed. If you do read the newspaper, you are misinformed. I contend that a nation to try to tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a bucket and trying to lift, lift himself up by the handles. And a government which robs Peter to pay Paul can always depend on the support of Paul. <laughs> and then one finally. Democracy must be something more than two wolves and a sheep voting on what to have for dinner. And that's uh, James Bavard, by the way. All right. So, uh, you know, a couple days for Christmas might be a good time. We've got a new year coming to get organized. The family inventory workbook, also a wealth plan. Uh, we, ought, we also have some good information on health care and retirement. And you still got time to take a look at the checklist for the end of the year. So uh, something to pay uh, close attention to. If you want to get any of that information, Go to WHK's webpage, WHK 1420 AM, I believe it is. And, um, you know, if you go down to local podcasts and uh, hit the Smart Investor Show, it goes right to my webpage. It's all sorts of contact me and email me and all that good stuff. So, you know, it's interesting. Everybody's saying about how expensive the market is. And I would beg to differ. Uh, I think valuations, and by the way, Lori Calvacino saying the same thing. Tom Lee saying the same thing over Funstrat and uh, some other people. But valuations ending 2023 are at pretty reasonable levels. You know, if you look at 2022, when all this stuff started, uh, we were trading at 22 times earnings minus, well, even with the uh, uh, Magnificent Seven, as they're called. And now we're at 15 times earnings, 15.3 to be exact without the Magnificent Seven. So I think the valuations are pretty, pretty decent, okay? So I think the two things that I, I would need to know is, first, with eight days or five days left in 2023, the S&P is close to a level that our model suggests is reasonable one, okay? And second, while we remain constructive on the year, Several charts that we track and I track regularly, and and uh, and Lori Calvacino checks these all the time, are starting that this suggests the rally in the S and P 500 is due for a pause. Now, 
you may recall that we've been touting for about five months now that Lori's very high on the small caps. And I looked at the charts, and this is Tim Hayes speaking, no one else, okay? And small caps look awfully interesting. Uh, the strength of the S&P 500 in, the, in 2023 has surprised a lot of strategists, and including Lori, by the way. I think there was just one that got it right, and uh, he's over at Fundstrat. And, uh, you know, so we, we were close. We just weren't right on the knob. <laughs> but the model has been recently suggesting, you know, that we could end the year at 21.1 times earnings. That's with the Magnificent Seven, okay? Uh, and so I think there's probably the risk of a short-term pause in the S&P 500. And when you have a move like we've just had, and, and, you know, we said go away on May and come back on All Souls Day probably 20 times on this show. And from All Souls Day till now, the NASDAQ composite's up 9%, the S&P's up 10 and a half, and the small caps are up almost 14. So it's been a big move. And um, I, I think the only thing that's, you know, that's keeping me wary is the bulls. The bulls are now at only... They went from 25% to 45, uh, and and the the bears now are are at 20. And you you know when I was very bullish, it was the other way around. So we have to probably have to go sideways and uh, you know do that a little bit. And we also have to you know that kind of echoes, by the way, what we're seeing in the CT uh, CFTC, that's commodity futures area, uh, assets managing position in the S and P futures, which is close to recent peaks. Okay, so I think valuations are back to, you know, relative, uh, but at a time when not many U.S.-based investors are expressing concern about the 2024 election, we should keep that in the back of our mind, I think. Um, We do have inflows in equity funds. Once again, they're they're cramming them into the S&P 500, and I think that won't last, uh, my humble opinion. And, you know, what might cause the market to finally lose its concentration? And what I mean by that is, um, you, you know, we're, we're con- we've been concentrated around 25 stocks, basically. Magnificent Seven is definitely one of them. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's, there's several things that could happen, but, uh, uh, you know, there, it just might be they need a rest. Okay, and they got to go sideways, and especially if small caps start to take off, because small caps are cheap. You know, basically, you know, Lori said, and Lori's our head strategist, Lori Calvacina, she said basically that small caps are, are the, probably at the uh, one of the cheapest levels she's ever seen. So that's pretty darn cheap. So I, I think you, you know, if you're, uh, you know. Using your head, you know, you want to spread things out a little bit. So we'll just keep it at that. All right. Now, um, I do, there is a small cap list that we have, and these are growth ideas. So if it's small cap value that starts to go up, they might not participate. But we think the time is now when we're bullish on small caps in 2024. So um, if you'd like that list, you can uh, send away for it. It was put out December 5th, so it's pretty new. All right. Uh, And I'll leave it at that. Now, Uh, Rob Slimer put out his 2024 technical outlook, and I thought we'd review that because it's kind of a a good time to review it. 
And the current secular trend in underlying 16 to 18 month long term cycle remains positive. I know it's been a tough couple of years. You know, last year, if you weren't in the Magnificent Seven, you're probably rolling up five or six percent. Um, and, you know, look, I have a lot of those in my portfolios, but uh, I don't have enough of them, obviously. But, um, it, you know, as a it's, it's hard to concentrate on that that Magnificent Seven area uh, when you have fiduciary responsibilities, because it's kind of a risky, you know, I mean, if it goes wrong, you're in trouble. All right. So. We think if the prior secular bull markets of the 50s, 60s, and 80s, and 90s, both of which generated returns of over 2,300 from the low, so we're dating back to 2009 now, okay, uh, we, have, we have the potential to reach the S&P 500. And, you know, they, they, I know everybody out there saying 14, you know, I said 1,400, 14,000 on the S&P. A lot of people saying, ah, yeah, that's impossible. But, you know, from a valuation point, an annual growth perspective, we would, you know, we would need to see the current uptrend show evidence of decelerating to suggest our outlook is incorrect. All right. So, you know, Rob, Rob has done the numbers and what he's talking about basically is a 7% growth rate on earnings. I don't think that's out of the question. So, but the current cycle um, lows we think occurred in the fourth quarter of 2022. And we said that here on the show, by the way. And um, it reinforces our four-year cycle. You know, you have a low and then things pick up and, and everything's good. Um, so we should have, I think, a, a, you know, I mean, he's talking about a flat uh, move into the uh, new year. But remember, you know, we, we should be okay till 2034. Now that means there can't that doesn't mean there can't be a bear market in there, okay? We just had one, all right? Uh, but usually the bear markets are quicker. This one was a little bit longer than the normal bear market uh, simply because of the interest rates had to go up so much. And But this four-year cycle starts in 2024, and they didn't ring a bell at the bottom. That occurred on All Souls Day, which we talked about on this show many a time. But you know, the percent rally from the low usually is 111%. Uh, the average correction is about 23%. So we had that this, this time around. So we'll see if we go up uh, over 110% going forward. Now, the Dow and the S&P averages have, you know, what I see is a two-year consolidation. And, and the, the Dow actually uh, broke out to a new high. The S&P has not done that yet. So we'll see if it, it happens. Over, over the course of the time, but usually, uh, you know, if the Dow makes a move based on some technical stuff, what Rob's talking about is 13% on the upside, and the S&P has, you know, maybe uh, 16, 17%. Um, but th they have some technical levels they have to get over to do that, so it's not for sure, so don't, you know, go jumping up and down and all that stuff, but the four-year presidential cycle track record, you know, in election year, a bad year usually have a seven and a half percent gain, and a good year about ten. Um, the elect during the election year, so year one six point six to eight point one, year two is three point three to point six. So it's not that great a period of time, and we're talking about the Dow and the S and P now. And then the third year is usually when you have the big big move up. But what he's talking about now is a 
a sideways pattern for the first six months. Now, I think he's probably right, but I also think that if Lori's right, so now we're, we're taking fundamentals and we're intertwining them with technicals, you could see the small caps go crazy. Remember, we have the January effect coming, okay? It's usually where the small caps outperform the large caps. So now he's not predicting a huge gain this year, all right? He's talking about 7.5%, maybe 8%, and most of it coming from June to September, and then a sideways pattern into the uh, the election, then a little bit more afterwards. Now, what I thought was interesting, and, and we're going to go through this fairly, uh, I think this is an important scenario. You know, the number of new lows are non-existent almost. You know, we had a huge amount that in, in July of 2022, and then, then it's, we've, I said we were making a, a small amount of lower highs. And then in July, August, and September, they popped up again, and now they're down to nothing almost. And the number of new highs, we hit 321,000 new highs for the year. That's a lot, you know, but we've broken out of that, you know, made a long, uh, rounded bottom on new highs. And, and I think that's important. So the New York Stock Exchange, new 52 weeks lows expanded through quarter, the, the fourth quarter of 2021 into June of 2022. And when they peaked, despite the S&P 500 making temporary new lows in the October, it was accompanied by fewer new 52-week lows. New lows continued to decline in 2023, aside from the third quarter correction. So in contrast, the new 52-week highs peaked in 20 of 21, contracted through 2022, only to incrementally expand through uh, from the fourth quarter of 2024 through 2023. With twenty, uh, with the December, by the way, registering another new high. Isn't that interesting? When everybody was, you know, bearish during the, that fall quarter, maybe we should have been buying, huh? Overall, you know, we see these trends as a net positive for equities in 2024 because the participation is broadening. All right, that's what you want. You want look. The Magnificent Seven are great, but. Them leading the market forever is not good for the market. It's not. So the fact that participation is increasing, we think is very, very positive. And I, and I you know, tend to agree now. Look, if we look at seasonality monthly since 1928, December and January are good months. Usually February, we fade a little bit. Then March and April is a big month. May is kind of a flat month. And then July is the next big month until October, November, December. Since 2000, January and February have been tough months, all right? So keep that in the back of your head. So maybe that sideways pattern that, that Rob is talking about, and Rob is our head technician, and he's a very good one, by the way. You know, maybe that sideways pattern is there. That doesn't mean that small caps, which have underperformed for a really long time, uh, won't pick back up. I mean, we're talking six, seven years now for small caps to underperform, and Microcaps are even in, in worse shape, by the way. So, yeah. All right, well, let's take a break, and, and we'll, we're going to come back and talk more about what Rob's thinking. And uh, this is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. 
a hint of peppermint when every single thing begins to feel like Christmas. And just like the snowflakes, no two are ever the same. Hey friends, Bob France here for Sky Roofing, serving the greater Cleveland area for over 22 years. You know, the thing I've come to learn and love about Sky Roofing is about much more than just roof and service quality. Obviously, those things are important, but what I love most about Sky Roofing is the people. And the reason that matters is when you're talking about something as important as roof repairs on your home or your business or needing a new roof altogether, you better be able to trust the roofers. And as I've come to know them, I believe you can trust Sky Roofing to do your job right, to do it on time, and to do it at a tremendous price. They'll do your house or your commercial, industrial roofing for you, and they'll do it like it was one of their own homes. Get on the website at skyroofinginc.com, request a quote there, or if you've got questions, they've got the answers at 440-349-6750. Learn more about the service, the experience, and yes, the people. That's 440-349-6750 or online at skyroofinginc.com. Take it from me, Sky Roofing is roofing done right. War has played a key role in the history of the United States, from the nation's founding right down to the present. Wars made the United States independent, kept it together, increased its size, and established it as a global superpower. Hi, I'm James Early, host of the Key Battles of American History podcast. In each episode, I discuss American history through the lens of the most important battles of America's wars. To start listening now, go to ParthenonPodcast.com or search Key Battles of American History on your favorite podcasting platform. When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. All right. You know, so uh, what we were doing was we were reviewing Rob Schleimer, our head technicians, his his kind of his forecast for 2024. And one of the things we talked about, and this was a, a wonderful call on his part, was we talked about the quadrant balance oscillator, which is a momentum oscillator was very oversold coming into All Souls Day, right? And now it's kind of overbought, but, you know, the S&P 500 is very close to breaking out to an all-time new high, uh, which would be interesting. Uh, it hasn't done it yet, but, it, you know, it's getting interesting. Now, the S&P, I mean, the Dow Jones did break out, and that's good. So, uh, but now... The quadrant balance oscillator is a little bit overbought. So it's a weekly momentum. Okay. So we used up a lot of weekly momentum in a very short period of time. So if your portfolio didn't do well in the month of uh, November, uh, something's wrong. All right. Now, the Russell 2000 uh, is a small cap index and it's showing signs, some early signs of bottoming near support. And if you, you draw a line back to 2008, we're right there. We're right at its support and it's held, all right, uh, which is interesting, I think. Uh, that support is at 1642, and it coincides with 2009, 
2020 and 2023. Now, the uptrend line, uh, you know, it, it it held, but we're we're closer to it than the 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 uh, downtrend line. So that's important. So there's some key resistance, and it remains between 2030 and 2144. And the problem is the relative performance is still in a downtrend, but it's starting to show some early signs of improving. And I think that when that breaks out, that's when I think you've got to pound the table on small caps, but it hasn't done that yet. So what do we look at? We look at we're, we're looking at the small cap index versus the S&P 500. And if the S&P 500 now is still the place to be, but the small cap index is getting closer. So our expectation is that the S&P, I mean, the Russell 2000 continues to build to the upside through 2024, although it's premature right now to conclude it significantly outperformed the S&P. All right. So it's cheap, but, you know, we're not seeing what we'd want to see. And that's the we'd like to see the relative performance break out because it's still on a downtrend versus the S&P 500. Now. The weekly momentum is still oversold, so it should bounce up a little bit further. Um, and it, it probably become overbought, I, I would suggest, in the first quarter, you know, based on, you know, just timing things. And this is Rob speaking, not me. Uh, the Russell 2000 rebound is nearly as uh, nearing its next resistance. And, uh, you know, if you start at uh, 2007, uh, with a pause likely in the 2024 area, 2144 area, that's that resistance we talked about, it would coincide with a, a 50 to 62% retracement in quarter one. Uh, that would be supported around 1824 to 1879, okay? So what we're saying here is the small caps look good, but their relative performance is recovering, but it remains in a downtrend with an upside trend break needed to signal real meaningful improvement. Now that could happen to, you know, next week, who knows? Uh, you know, it is, we do have the January effect. And the January effect, what it is, is there's a lot of selling in small caps for tax loss purposes. People buy them back or they bounce. Managers look for, you know, hot little stocks uh, where they can buy them back in a, in a hurry. So, um, got to keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, now, I was looking at global equities and, you know, just looking at e, um, ETFs relative trend versus the S&P 500. And most regional indices remain in longer term downtrends versus the S&P 500. Uh, I, you know, by the way, Rob says that's except in Mexico and, and also India. Uh, they are emerging. And uh, Latin America is also emerging a little bit, too. So it'll be interesting to see uh, on the global side if that continues, you know. Um, some people ask me about uh, foreign stocks. And right now we don't have it's the same thing with the small caps. The relative performance versus the S&P 500 remains in kind of an established downtrend. So, it, you know, it's not time yet to, to be uh, buying these things uh, in our, our view anyway. Uh, and I guess the only thing else, uh, you know, that I, I see with Rob is, is he talks about this 5% yield and the S&P 500. When we get to 5%, the S&P 500 usually doesn't do well. When we start to back off, you know, that's good, all right? 
But, you know, he says we're, he thinks we could be at a cycle peak. It'll be interesting to see. I don't think we're going, you know, I mean, if you're going out to buy a house, I don't think you're going back down to 0% anymore. But, uh, you know, I don't know interest rates for nothing, but um, they are a little bit overbought. But I think it's the key is that 5% yield and the S&P don't go well together. <laughs> uh, so keep that in the back of your mind. And, um, you know, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, you know, I talk about the small caps and we have a small cap growth list idea. Uh, and, you know, we're we're pretty bullish on small caps. So just keep that in the back of your mind. And I, I keep pushing a couple themes. And I'm going to push them <laughs> for for a while here. And the other is AI. Um, you know, I, I've got some. I had some AI, and uh, I should. I, I'm, I've been waiting for a pause in the action to, to buy some more, and it, we haven't really had one. So, but you got to remember, most of these stocks have strong financial performances. They they've made AI investments. What's AI? Artificial intelligence. They're they're monetizing some of these, you know. They're already monetizing AI. That didn't happen with the internet for a pretty long time, and and then the the big thing with AI is what it is a is a server called a GPU, and uh, they use high high powered uh, chips. And the key is is that they're having problems getting them. <laughs> All right. So there's some continuing challenges in procuring these things, okay? So that's important. And then the CapEx growth and data center expansion is huge. Now, one of the things we talked about on this show many a time is that the data, data centers are these huge warehouses, and they're running these chips that are extremely hot, okay? They need to cool them. That's, that's a good conservative way of playing AI. Now. I, I must admit, during the fall, there was a stock that I really liked, and I may have to buy it back. Uh, it got beat up. It looked like it was going to get beat up bad. And then interest rates came down fast, uh, which no one was expecting, I don't think. Uh, and it turned around. So I think there's, there's some really good names in that area. Uh, and, you know, what, what I, like I said, what I like is these things have good, strong economic performance. You know, they're, they have things going for them that a lot of people don't uh, don't get. But, you know, there's some really, I think there's going to be some names that make a lot of money for us. And, you know, we featured a lot of these in our highlights from our RBC Global Technology, Internet, Media, and Telecommunications Conference. And the good news is, whenever I talk about a, a an idea on this show, and no one calls in for it, I know I have something. <laughs> and sure enough, no one's called in for this. No one's sent an email for it, which means there's some really good names in there. And there's some small cap names in there, which I think is very, very important to where you know we're going. And all right, it's the end of the year. You know, we have a couple pieces that I think everybody should have in their hands. The wealth plan. Remember, you don't have to be a client. Now, we can't do what if, but we can give you a probability of how your retirement plan is going to do if uh, something happens, okay? And by the way, you know, I had a gentleman a while back 
who said, well, my, my, my plan is going to work well. He probably got killed over the next two years. <laughs> and uh, we did quite well. So, but taking care, uh, taking control of your health care retirement is a great little piece, about five, six pages long. It gives you some really good ideas. Also, the family inventory workbook, I highly recommend it. It puts everything in one on one one spot. All right. A lot of people have most of their their financial stuff in files. Why not just have one thing where they go to one file, boom, open it up and they know everything about you, if need be. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, you still have time for some year in planning. Uh, you know, we have our year in checklist and you know, this is income tax strategies, uh, income tax considerations, tax-related investment strategies, you know, all sorts of good ideas. That, uh, and it's brief. It's only a couple, three pages. So uh, we can email that to you and you can start uh, tomorrow and, and get it going. I highly recommend it. And, you know, it's a new year, folks, a wealth plan. You know, you can find out, hey, is my plan working? If it isn't, then you, you got a problem, all right? And now, look, I've had I've had to tell some people, hey, your probability is below forty. That's not good, all right. So uh, they, they, the one person didn't make any changes. The other person is in the process of making some serious changes, all right. So it, it's something that can give you, uh, you know, a a yellow flag saying, hey, you got to start thinking different, all right. Uh, and I think I think. You know, it's a really good idea. And you don't have to be a client to do this. Okay, now, if you want to do what ifs, like I had some people uh, want to gift some money to some places, uh, one to St. Jude, and I love that guy. He and his wife are going to give a lot of money to St. Jude, and I think that's fantastic. And uh, But some other guys were thinking about their kids, gifting some money to their kids and helping them with getting houses because houses, you know, there's no trainer homes anymore. All right, so uh, his probabilities were good. They weren't 99% like they were before, but they were 87, which gives him a good probability of being able to retire okay, all right? So uh, year end, what do you think? Hey, let's take a break. Uh, This is the Smart Investor Show. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Cause no matter how far away you roam When you pine for the sunshine of a friendly gaze For the holidays you can't beat home, sweet home Wallakadoodle, sewer repair now, you might be thinking there's nothing wallacadoodle about sewer line problems, and we're with you on that. But if you do need to repair your sewer, there's always a wallacadoodle solution. Most of the time, Wyatt Works can repair your sewer line with an advanced pipelining solution that eliminates the need to dig up your yard. Rather than replacing your clay sewer pipes, we'll line them with a smooth, incredibly durable epoxy, capable of lasting 100 years. The pipelining's completed in about a day with no mess in your yard, and it guarantees no more root intrusion or clogs. It's a permanent solution that works like, well, wallacadoodle. We even warranty it for life, and it comes with guaranteed upfront pricing and easy payment options. 
Now, most clogs can be fixed with our flat rate drain clearing, but if you called someone else for drain clearing and they want to dig up your yard and spend all week replacing your sewer line, well, call for a second opinion from the Wallacadoodle Plumbers at WyattWorks.com. So my boss came by and said, Jackson, you've been working hard all year. And he handed me an envelope. I was like, wow, thanks, sir. Then I heard him over at Thompson's Cubicle saying, Thompson, you've been working hard all year. Here's a holiday star tin of Peterson's Nuts. Well, I stood up and I was like, excuse me? You're giving him Peterson's Nuts? While all I get is this, this money? I was mad. No one ever forgets a gift of Peterson's Nuts. To place an order, visit petersonsnuts.com or call 1-888-817-NUTS. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. So this is Christmas. What have you done? Uh, John Lennon. There's a uh, challenge that died way too early uh, to George Harrison. So anyway, uh, you know, I think what people are, uh, there's a lot of talk out there whether, you you know, you're soft or hard landing, okay? And I, look, there's a couple things, and these this is the hard part of, an economy as big as ours, figuring out what the heck's going on. And that is, you still have three interest rates that aren't imputed in, you know, it takes about nine months to get these things to hit. But we still three interest rate hikes that haven't hit yet. Okay. On top of that, we have the government is going to spend $2 trillion in the first two months of the year. So I don't think, you know, $2 trillion is a lot of money. Last I checked, I mean, we'd probably all like to have that in our bank account. And the I, can you have a recession if the government's spending $2 trillion? Now, it's not what I would spend $2 trillion on if I was president of the United States. I'd probably do it some in other places. And I'm sure a lot of people out there uh, would, would agree with me. But So the question is, do you have a recession or a soft landing? And proponents of both have evidence that they think can ha- they can hang their hat on. But the debate won't be settled for months now. And amid the uncertainty framing the investment picture, we explore how to position portfolios. And, and I think that's important. So the debate rages on. The question on everyone's mind is, you know, what happens with the U.S. economy? Well, I don't think Powell wants to make a mistake a, a major mistake a second time. Now, some of his his components, uh, I mean, some of the other Fed governors may not agree, but, you know, with each piece of data dissected and interpreted according to the market participants' biases, it, it's hard, you know, I, I guess, you know, the scrutiny stems from the U.S. Federal Reserve's reliance on data dependency. Plus, you have Mr. Powell, being very dovish one day, and then the Fed chair of New York being very aggressive three days later. So, you know, recent data after the non-farm you know, payrolls rose by 199,000 in November, 
most of the street agree that it's just a very help, healthy labor market, enhance a strong economy. Then you have the PCE uh, rating this week, and it looks like it's slowing down enough that, you know, uh, we're going to have a soft landing, right? So, you know, the focus instead on an average hourly earnings uh, rising an annual 4%, uh, you know, a level inconsistent with the Fed's 2% inflation target, by the way, uh, is the line of thinking. So that's a, that's a problem, too. So with all this economic data being volatile and offering, con- you know, contradicting clues at, the, at best of being uh, poor quality at worst, using a, a framework to assess the macroeconomic backdrop can be a useful tool. Okay, so we, what we've looked at uh, is tightens in the past, but the business lending standards have really tightened ever since Silicon Valley Bank Corp blew up. Uh, and, you know, the third soft landing occurred, I, I think, we've had three, two or three of them. One, um, one was in the mid-50s. Uh, that was you know, uh, a small sample. And in the 1960s and the mid-1980s and the mid-1990s, those were the, the soft landings that we had. So we'll see. But, um, you know, the, that was a, the mid-1990s was a time of rapid globalization that both contained inflation and boosted profit margins. So we'll see, you know, Look, we consider, I continue to be constructive, and I think uh, the firm does too. Might there be a small recession? Yeah, it could be, but I think that's been in the cards for a pretty long time. So, you know, look, uh, U.S. equities are sharply higher over the last several weeks, and the Federal Reserve indicated rate cuts, at least the the chairman did, uh, are likely next year. So, you know, all the major industries flew on that information, and uh, you know that's good too, and the S P five hundred has performed the net, outperformed the Nasdaq Composite, which is good. And uh, you, you know the Russell two thousand outperformed both of them. Okay, so that's even better. So participation is is wide. Now the only place that we saw a sector lower on on the last week was communication services. So, and you know. Oil prices declined and then turned around, which is positive, too. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here that could be positive, could could be negative. So it's hard as a, you know, I mean, if you're looking, (laughs) uh, how's the best way to put this? So if you're looking at things on a technical basis, I think things look great. Rob Schleimer agrees with me. So, and you know, if, if you're navigating the recovery, and you're reviewing the long-term trends, which we're going to do after the next commercial, I think it's important, okay? So, you know, I'm going to get back to that four-year chart, okay? And usually from the bottom to the top is an 110% rally. Now, there's been some below that. There's been some above that. I mean, one time back in, uh, in 82, 86, we had a 231% rally. And then we've had lower rallies. Uh, in the in the seventy one sixty four level, but so it'll be interesting. Uh, but you also got to remember that they have twenty three percent corrections within these four year cycles. So from the bottom in that four year cycle to the top, it's it's a big move. 
and we're not there yet, okay? And then we'll probably have another correction. So just keep that in the back of your mind. But the repetitive four-year cycle is not driven by politics, although we like to think to think it is, but it's driven by central bank liquidity and economic growth. So it's money and earnings. So for those of you who are worried that the the presidential election is going to screw everything up, it'll make things interesting. Okay. And I'm I'm sure, you know, what's happening in Colorado and uh, other stuff, you know, they're trying to do it again, but we'll see. But, you know, if we have breakouts above the two-year trading ranges in in most of the indexes, and I'm and what I'm looking at now is the S and P 500 and the Dow. The Dow's already broken above. Okay, so we have what we call a breakout. When you break out from a two-year base, it's very positive, extremely positive in Tim Hayes' uh, thought process. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to run out and buy everything. You know, you've come a long way. You wait a little bit, see if they pull back. The S and P 500 is not there yet. Uh, it needs, it's got some resistance here. And if it were a breakthrough, that'd be very positive for the new year. So, but you remember the four year presidential cycle, the average upside in that four year and one year period, uh, four and year one in the, in the line with the technical targets, the average and median S&P 500 return during the four year and one year of the, of the four year presidential cycle are the election year usually for the S&P 500, up 7.5%, for the Dow, up 10%. Year one, 6.6, 8.1. And then the second year is the year usually where you have the sell-off. You're only up about uh, you know 3.3% on the four-year presidential cycle and 0.6. So the third year is usually the big year in a presidential uh, scenario. So like I said, what we're looking for is a side, or what Rob Slimer's looking for, and RBC backs them, is this period of time in the first part of the year where we have a flat move. I mean, we, we made up a lot of ground in the last two months, two and a half months, a lot of ground. And, you know, it, it ain't going away, all right? But it could go sideways for a while. And then, but and by the way, that may be the January effect where the small caps lead the way for a while. They haven't done that in a long time. Remember, small caps usually outperform large caps by a percentage point and a half over a 10, 20, 30 year period. So, and we got to remember, you know, Rob uses the weekly quadrant balance indicator and it suggests a pause or a pullback probably mid to late first quarter. And, you know, we continue to track that weekly momentum indicator. It hit the nail on the head. All right. We were below, uh, we had one of the lowest readings in the last 20 years. Right before it, uh, All Souls Day, and sure enough, we took off like a bat out of you know where. <laughs> I just I said that for out of All Souls Day. Anyway, so it's now the indicator is in overbought territory, uh, and that's a fast move, by the way. All right, so it was one of the fastest moves I've ever seen for the quadrant balance indicator, and it was spread out. All right, so it was a lot of people, part- a lot of stocks participating. That's a big, big scenario now. Cash was king last year. I don't know if it's going to be king this year. I don't think it's going to be king. That's my personal opinion. So, look, uh, the re- reality of the, the the end of the first quarter, uh, 
you, you know, going to that overbought area and then you know, probably selling off a little bit. What's that, what does that correspond with? Earnings. All right. So remember, it's liquidity and economic growth and earnings that run the stock market. If there's a lot of liquidity, <coughs> which we don't know if that's going to happen or not, we could see some good things happening, but it's the earnings. And at the end of the first quarter, we've got another interest rate hitting. So, you know, that, that usually is when, you know, the stock market stalls a little bit and, and we go forward. Okay. So uh, keep that in the back of your head. And, and I think it's important. So uh, uh, this quadrant, uh, weekly quadrant balance indicator, oscillator, I'm sorry, that Rob uses, I think is, really an excellent tool, uh, maybe better than the tool I had been using, <laughs> uh, because it shows the shorter term move. And uh, uh, we, well, if you need the other one, call me at my office and we'll take it from there. But uh, look, I, I've talked about this before, and this is an, a bit of an older uh, report. It's back from the summer, but the data center liquid cooling market overview is something I think is very, very important. Look, there's a shortage of GPUs out there. That's why they're buying these high-tech semiconductor companies. They need to cool these things down. They run at 120, 125 degrees. If you're in a warehouse and you're running at 125 degrees, it's a hot place, chance for fire, okay? A great report, still available. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back. This Have is Stay tuned. A merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. This holiday season. Give the gift of music with the Cleveland Orchestra's gift certificates for tickets at Severance Music Center, Blossom, or merchandise from the Cleveland Orchestra store. And Blossom Lawn Ticket Books, a flexible and affordable way to experience Blossom's upcoming festival season. Available at the Severance Ticket Office or online at clevelandorchestra.com. Heritage Truck Equipment is hiring. Heritage currently has career openings for entry-level and experienced welders and assemblers. On-the-job training is provided. Heritage Truck Equipment is a state-of-the-art dump body manufacturing company in Hartville, Ohio. Heritage Truck Equipment offers a $2,000 sign-on bonus to new hires, competitive wages, and 100% employer-paid medical benefits. Do not miss out on an opportunity to be a part of Heritage Truck Equipment's growing team. Apply online today. HeritageTruck.com. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Uh, Lenny's gone to gambit on, on his Christmas, man. We've gone from the old times to the new times. 
good job, Lenny. Good job. Lenny's our technician, by the way. Uh, he's in the background. He's a good man. Anyway, uh, look, everybody talks about day-to-day stuff. CNBC wants you to be a trading fool. That's not how Warren Buffett made all his money. You know, he, he always said, what's, they always ask him, what's the holding period for your stocks? And he said, preferably forever. All right. He's owned Coca-Cola for as long as I can remember. I mean, 1984, I believe, is when he bought it. So don't let the guys on TV have you trading in and out of stocks. That's not the way, because you get taxed and you know they're trying to get you to trade back and forth. It's not the way it goes. Now, there's some stocks that you have to take profits on because they either go parabolic or they disappoint. But there's some great companies out there. You want to think about the long term. Okay. It's the time, as Warren Buffett says, it's time in the market with great companies versus timing the market. All right. Simple as that. Now, we use some technical advice like the quadrant balance indicator. When it gets oversold, that's time to add to positions or buy great companies that you don't own. Okay. So, I don't want everybody thinking that this is a, a trading channel, <laughs> you know, that I'm tell, teaching to trade in and out. That's not my style. My style is, you know, believe me, I've owned some names for a long, long time. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. So, you know, back um, in November, we highlighted the equity markets where it's suitably oversold levels. Okay. And that was from our quadrant balance indicators. Now we have a seasonal rebound. And with the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are pretty overbought near term. Yeah, I mean, at 12 to 14% rallies in a month and a half, folks. All right. So don't get greedy. You know, let let stuff, you know, because when you get greedy, then you buy things when they're up. Okay. You've got to get used to buying things when they're down. It's been hard because I've been trying to. <laughs> It's not much is down, uh, although Nike took a hit this week. Um, and I'm not saying buying it, by the way. I, you know, just mention it. So rallies back to, we went back to July highs. That's good. A near-term pullback is probably likely to start probably in December. You know, I think it started Wednesday. Uh, you know, given um, the weekly indicators, they track two to four month swings. So, Probably sometime at the end of the first quarter, will and that coincides with earnings, or maybe even the beginning of the quarter. Who knows? We might see some pullbacks, but uh, the decline from summer highs in the fourth quarter appears to be very consistent with a normal quarter, you know, third quarter pullback. And uh, keep that in the back of your head too. But remember, we're in a generational cycle. I know it didn't seem that way for a year or two. You know, in the past, when we've had bull markets, the sell-offs or the bear markets have been fast and hard and scary. This was slow and deliberate and scary. (laughs) Uh, But they happen, okay? And the point is, is we're at the bottom end of the trend line now. And that's when, you know, big moves are made. So if you get get a stock, you've been following a stock for a long time, and it's broken out, wait for it to pull back a little bit, all right? Don't go chasing things right at the moment. We're overbought, all right? So 
I think you'd have to, you know, if, if, if for me to get bearish, really bearish, I think you need a, a break below the four-year moving average. And that would probably signal that the secular uptrend is failing. And I don't think that's, I don't see that happening right at the moment. Uh, now, I think interest rates are important. In fact, that, you know, if they bounce back up to 5%, which that could happen. And, you know, I mean, we, we went up very fast. We went from three and a quarter to five in a very short period of time. And we went right back to three, three, I think it was 390, uh, 385, maybe uh, at the close on Friday. So that 5%, the market doesn't do well at 5% or above. And you, you could see that, you know, you know look, when, for, in 1980, we declined. We were at 14, 15%. And we declined all the way up to the bottom in the pandemic. And the market went up pretty much for that period of time, except for uh, when we started to have a deflationary scenario. That was from 2000 to 2016. So you got to be care- – by the way, during that period of time, we were at 5% twice, okay? So keep that in mind. But I can't stress enough this four-year cycle, all right? So what would I be doing right now? Well, I, I talked about areas last week that were cheap. Cheap stocks are dividend growth portfolio. You know, when interest rates go up, they go down. But they're raising their dividend every year, okay? The prime income list for those people who need income now. The small cap list. Small caps are cheap, okay? And healthcare is really cheap. Now, you might have to wait a while, but if you get a good dividend, you're in pretty good shape. Then we talked about software and and the the... Technology, internet, media, and telecommunications piece, data centers, how to cool them. Those are the areas I'd be looking at right now, okay? Don't forget, it's time. It's the end of the year. Start the new year off with a wealth plan, family inventory workbook. Also, get yourself uh, educated on healthcare. And, you know, you still have time to take a look at the year-end checklist. Just a couple pages. If you want to email, let us know. Let's set up a time to meet, okay, and go from there. Sit down, we'll put together a wealth plan, and we'll say, hey, you passed the test or not. Anyway, it's Christmas. I wish you all uh, a happy Christmas. And, uh, well, as they said, as I say every year, they heard him exclaim as the radio waves faded in the night, happy Christmas to all, and to all, good night. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.